welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, thank you uh, guys for being here tonight and thank you for allowing me uh, to be here with you today. It is really a privilege for me to be here and, and, and like I've said with uh, several of you that, you know, over the years, you, know, you kind of build a relationship with people and, uh, and that's really cool and I've, I enjoy being here. It's a lot of fun for me and I appreciate you, um, coming back out again on a, on a Sunday night because I, from the, from this video, <laughs> we really need another message on Jesus is, right? Gosh, those people are messed up. And they live right here in North Carolina. <laughs> I don't... I, okay, I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't really... <laughs> they were probably... They moved from South Carolina, though. That's probably what happened. They moved from South Carolina. Uh, tonight, here's, here's the thought that I want you to hang in your, in your brain for a little bit. And, and then what I want to happen is allow the Holy Spirit of God to just kind of blow on it a little bit, okay? So here's the thought. Jesus is humility. That's easy, isn't it? This is going to be such an easy message, right? You could preach this one. Jesus is humility. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to start off by reading the statement that Jesus made to his followers. It's an easy statement. It's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 25. Okay? It's really easy. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And, and today's been kind of weird. I, I, this is what I love to do to our people. Because this when they think they got me figured out, I love to throw them a curveball. You know, you know what I mean? And so they'll say, okay, here's what he's going to do. And he'll read this and he'll do that. And then sometimes they go, and they, and you can see the look on their face. They're going, what? That's not you. And I love doing that because it messes them up and it makes them think. So sometimes I kind of like to change things up a little bit. So here's the, here's the verse, Matthew's gospel, chapter 20, verse 25. Here's what Jesus said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, you know, listen to what he's saying. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, you know that they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And then here's what Jesus says. And this is so much more powerful, I promise you, than what you might think. <coughs> he says, you've heard it said, you know this, and I'm going to tell you, verse 26, it's not going to be that way with you. So here's the thing. Tonight we want to talk about this dynamic of competing for status that is so strong in our culture today. And here's the thing. Because, you know, I know that, I know I'm, I'm a great preacher, right? You didn't help me a lick. <laughs> I know I'm not. I'm just kidding. So here's what I have to do. Sometimes I have to use, like, you know, images from the Internet and stuff. Because I know y'all forget. I could ask y'all after the message is over with, what was my first point? And you'd go... You had a point? Because, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't know. So I'm going to give you this image. I, I look for this image that would kind of help you to remember. Long after I'm gone, my guess is you'll probably remember this, this image. I want to give you this image. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a weird image. I read about it on the Internet. So, you know, again, you know it's true. Here's the image. 
That's a chicken. And y'all are kind of freaky going, what is that? That is, that's a chicken. Now, I did this at our church and, and, and a big fat boy said, and it's a big chicken. He's in CR right now for recovery for overweight people. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, now here's the thing. Here's what I learned from the chicken experts on the internet. And again, I got this straight off the internet so you know it's true. Chickens only have one way to order their relationships. Chickens only have, this is so important, you've got to be taking notes right now. Chickens only have one way of ordering their relationships. Do you know what it's called? The pecking order. You people are really up on chickens, right? We got chicken farmers in the house? We got any chicken farmers in the house? We actually have some at, at Springwell. And I, I wanted to bring them with me because I thought it would be really good if we did an interview. And so here's the thing. Here's how chickens do life. You're thinking, are you ever going to get to the Bible? I already read a verse, so I'm good. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. If you're really high on the pecking order, then that means you get a lot of food. Which I'm saying amen on that. You know what I mean? Amen, amen if you get a lot of food, right? Come on, come on, help me out a little bit. All right, here's the thing. If you're high on the chicken, you know, on the chicken order of life, if you're high on the pecking order, then you get a lot of food, you're safe, and you have your own turf. You know, I mean, you, you strut, <laughs> y'all with me, you strut around the chicken pen and you tell the other chickens that are down low, you say, I rule the roost. That's kind of what you would say if you was a chicken. A little bit different, but that's kind of what you would say if you were the chicken. And so here's the thing. If you're at the bottom of the pecking order, then you're lonely. And I read this off the internet. You're hungry and you're lonely and you're afraid because you could be attacked and you have a low chicken esteem. This is serious. This is serious business. And so then if you have low chicken esteem, then you got to go to a chicken therapy, you know, and then you got to get into a chicken support group, which we offer at Springwell and Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't do that. We do have Celebrate Recovery. and People are overcoming a lot of things. I'm not sure that it's anything to do with chickens, but they're there to recover from a lot of different stuff. Now, this pecking order thing, so I've read, is a really hard way to do life. Here's what I read. I read that chickens on the, on the lower end of the, of the pecking order, these chickens actually die. So you're not laughing now, are you? I'm just saying this is serious business, this chicken business. It's serious, serious stuff if you're at the bottom of the pecking order. And so here's the thing. Chicken experts actually developed a product called Pick No More. That's it right there. Pick No More. Now, this is real. This is real. And so here's what they do. Chicken experts spray this on the chickens so that when chickens start to peck one another, they taste bad and so they back away. What do you think? I aren't buying this, are you? So anyway, there's another thing, and I'm not making this up. We got chicken farmers. I should have brought them with me. I should have done an interview so that you'd know that what I was, you know, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not making this up. I Googled it. A guy by the name of Randall E. Wise, about 35 years ago, invented contact lens that go over the little bitty chicken eyes. I'm serious. Contact lens that go over the little bitty chicken eyes so that their vision is blurred and they can't see each other. To pick on each other. Trying to save the chicken world, I'm just saying. And for the chickens who are really, really high on the pecking order, they get colored lens. Okay, we made that last part up. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Because I have a twisted sense of personality, a twisted personality, right? It's a twisted sense of humor, right? 
Well, here's the thing. I know you're wondering, what does this have to do with Jesus? Chickens and Jesus. I mean, you can't wait to go to school tomorrow, right? So you won't believe what that preacher last night talked about. He talked about chickens and then he somehow related it to Jesus. Well, we're in this little mini-series called Jesus Is. And we've been looking at how there are a lot of people that know Jesus they know Jesus, but they don't really know a lot about Jesus. I mean, they really don't know who Jesus is. One of the greatest tragedies in the church is that we come to church every week, and we do praise and worship, and we lift our hands, and we dance around. And the thing of it is, is that we know so little about Jesus. And really, we know so little about the Bible. And we really don't understand a lot of things that we read sometimes because we just want to do our daily Bible reading, right? And so before you go to bed at night, maybe you just kind of cruise through, read a couple verses, pat yourself on the back, say a little prayer, you know, now I'll lay me down to sleep, whatever the case might be. Pray a little prayer, you go to sleep and you think, look at me, man, I am, you know, I am the, I am Mr. Christian. I am Miss Christian, look at me. I'm reading scripture and we miss so much that's in the Bible. And here's what we've done. We talked about this morning how Jesus changed the world in so many ways that we don't even recognize. Remember we talked about this morning, every single time you ride by a hospital. And if you've got like a non-believer, somebody that's really far from God, what you're able to do is you say, you see that hospital right there? I want you to understand that's a thumbprint of Jesus. Every time, every time there's a disaster and you're watching television and the Red Cross, they're there on the scene, they're the first responders. What you can do with great pride is you can say, you see what that is right there? That is a thumbprint of Jesus. That's my Savior, man. This is why I'm sold out to Jesus. This is why I'm a follower of Jesus because Jesus, when he stepped on the scene some 2,000 years ago brought change that we're still reaping the benefits of. I just think it's so cool. And believe it or not, this tonight we're going to look at how Jesus changed the kind of person that the world admires. Jesus did this all on his own. He changed the kind of person that the world admires. This there is this weird virtue that Jesus will introduce into a world ha, where the pecking order rules. Because we know that the pecking order rules today, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we do. And it rules at school. And, and, and it rules in the workplace. Because we all know who the big chickens are. If you can say that, you know. So tomorrow, you know, when you see the big chicken strutting around, say, you ain't nothing but a big chicken. Try that and see how it goes for you. I'm just saying, Jesus changed all that. Jesus did. With his unique perspective on human life. A professor by the name of Francis Ambrosia uh, talks about two different ways uh, for thinking about how to pursue a meaningful life in Western culture. That's what he does. And one of the ways is to pursue the way of the hero. And the other way is to pursue the way of the saint. Now, in the ancient world where Jesus was born, this Greco-Roman world, people admired heroes. I mean, heroes, that was the way that you lived. And this idea of a hero was somebody who overcame obstacles to achieve full potential of excellence. So here's the thing. They viewed all of life as like a contest. 
The Olympic Games. That's why there was a ceremony attached to the Olympic Games. Because for these people, if you were a hero, you were a god. I mean, you won. You were at the top of the pecking order. And you, you had status and you had power. And you had people that wanted to be like you. And people, when you walk by, people would go, oh, wow. I wish I was more like him. I wish, I wish I could be like her. I wish I could just be close to those people because that was the way that the world was run. It was striving against obstacles for excellence and status and honor. So that led to the creation of a society where, where status, the pecking order, was absolutely fundamental. Cicero wrote this. He said, rank must be preserved. That's what he said. Your identity is where do you stand in the pecking order? And our goal, our goal as churches, (laughs) our goal as churches is to keep climbing the pecking order, right? Until we're at the top and so that we can look down on the people that are at the bottom of the pecking order. And we know how to do church and they don't, right? Because we're cool and they're not. And so when we in a room, those of us that pastor the big churches, we know how to strut. I mean, y'all run yesterday. We run about 5,000, didn't catch, but about 1,000. You know what I'm saying? Okay, y'all didn't get that, but it was good. Get your staff to explain that to you because they're going, that's pretty good right there. We're running. Yeah. And so they expressed this in a lot of different ways. And so here's what I want to do tonight. I want to... I want to kind of run through some of these expressions of status and then we're going to come back. So hang on, we're going to come back and we're going to look at this statement that Jesus made to his disciples. And then we're going to unpack that sucker and I hope that you're going to see truth. You're going to go, oh, I never knew that that's what that passage of scripture actually meant. So here's the thing. Believe it or not, in this Roman culture, the clothes you wore depended on your status. These are silly Romans. I just don't know how they made it. I understand about the fall of the Roman Empire now. Can you imagine these guys? For example, if you were free, if you were free, you would, and if you were a male, because females wouldn't wear this, but if you were free and you were a male, you would wear what was known as a freed man's cap. And so when you would walk around, you would strut and you'd have on your cap. So everybody would look at you and they would go, hey, this guy has already made it a step up on the peck in the pecking order. You know what I'm talking about? He's got a freed man's cap. Now, if you were a citizen, when you were a boy and you turned about 15 or 16, you would wear what was called a toga virilis. Now, you had on the freed man's cap. That's pretty cool. But, dude, let me tell you, if you're a citizen, you wore this toga virilis, and it was a toga of manhood. And so there you are, man. You're stepping up. You know what I'm talking about? You're looking down on the kids that just got the cap, and you're saying, you ain't nothing. I got a toga virilis. It's kind of the way they did it back in the day. I'm just saying. And then if you were an equestrian, equestrian, which meant that you were a high-level aristocrat, get this. Not only, not only could you wear a cap if you wanted to, not only would you wear the toga, but here's the thing. You were also allowed to put rings on your fingers, and that would mark your status as an equestrian. And so you'd be like cruising through town, and everybody'd say, Woo, woo, that's a freedman right there. Then they would say, Oh, ho, ho, he's more than that, dude. He's like a citizen, and we know how old he is because he's got on this toga virilis, and then somebody would say, Oh, man. 
He's a rich guy. You know what I'm saying? Look at the rings on this man's fingers. Can you believe these Romans are crazy, aren't they? Isn't this the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life? And so associated with this particular status of the equestrian that it is sometimes called the order of the rings. No kidding. Now, by the way, this is free, won't cost you anything. Uh, this part, this is, this is part of what's behind a warning in the New Testament. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I bet you never really maybe put all this together. But this is the culture, okay? This is the culture, and this is what James says. He says, suppose a man comes into your meetings wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And they would have said, I, I, yeah, that's a new question right there, man. Because we know he's working his way up the pecking order. You know what I'm talking about? He had a toga virilis, but he went further than that. He's got rings on his fingers. Here's what James says. Notice what he says. And a poor man in filthy clothes comes in. You need to read chapter 2 because here's what you will hear James do. He, James will say, look, if you let a man come in dressed in fine clothes and he's got rings on his finger and he's got this aristocrat kind of style and personality where he has climbed his way up the pecking order and if you treat him better than you treat a guy wearing filthy clothes, guess what? Shame on you. I'm telling you, read James 2. Now you know. So you didn't know maybe. That's what James meant. Absolutely. That's what James meant. This was the culture of the day. In fact, James goes on to say, he says, you know what? Actually, it's a sin for you to treat that guy better than you treat a guy that's wearing rags. See, here's the thing, and we miss it. We're supposed to be different. The church is supposed to be different, you see. And, and I was a part of that church. And I, I remember when I, I remember when I started wearing jeans. I, uh, you know, and I would just, I'd talk about traditional church. Yeah, look at them. Hmm. See, they're going to church and they're, they're trying to one up each other, right? And who's got on the most expensive? And when you go to Easter, it's all about the clothes, baby. And who's got, who's in the most, who's, who's bought the newest suit? Who's got the best dress? You know what I'm talking about? And then I got into my world. And you know what I found out in my world? It's not just that you wear jeans. It's what kind of jeans you got on. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't you come in here with no Levi's on, because if you got Levi's on, you're at the bottom of the pecking order. Now, if you got you some nice jeans, $200 pair of jeans from Buckle, now you strut. Now, you got on jeans. <laughs> Y'all with me? And the church is supposed to be different. If you were a, sen a, sen a senator in the senatorial class, like way, way, way high up, <laughs> listen to this. You wore a toga, okay? You had rings on your fingers, but your robe had a stripe on it. <laughs> and so when you walked in and people went, oh, dude, this guy's got rings on his fingers. I mean, he's climbing on up. He's an equestrian. He's an aristocrat. But this guy right here, dude, he's got a stripe on his robe. And I just think it's crazy that people's clothes were an expression of status. Isn't that silly? These people are so crazy. I'm glad that we've learned better. Haven't you? I mean, I am so thankful that modern day people think so much more mature. 
than what these stupid Romans did. Now, here's another thing. Occupation. Occupations were also ordered around rank. It's not like that in our day, but that's just the way they did it way back in the day, these Romans, these crazy Romans. The most honorable was to own vast tracts of land and to have slaves to work on it. And the elite would never do manual labor. They would never do manual labor. And they would never work with their hands, and they would, they would look down on anybody that had rough hands. Listen, I've seen this in the modern-day world that we, we, we live. Way back in the 70s in a country called Cambodia, there was a ruler. His name was Pol Pot. And here's what Pol Pot did. He wanted to rule with power and authority, and he literally killed millions of people. I have stood, I have had the privilege to stand and to look at mass graves with two, 3,000 people that were killed, slaughtered, and thrown into these graves. And I've had the opportunity to visit just one of these these sites with, with literally probably eight or nine of these big mass graves. I've seen a place on a tree that would probably be something like that that was just soaked, dark. And I said, what is that? They said, I'll tell you what that is. This is where they would take the babies and they would hold them by their little feet and they would, they would beat them up against the side of the tree to kill them. Now, you know who killed them? Their brothers and their sisters. Their brothers that were maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 or 13 years old. And Pol Pot wanted to control his world. And here's the people that he killed. If you wore glasses, if you wore glasses, you were a dead man. Because he looked at anybody that wore glasses, and in his mind, you had to be educated. You had to be, you had to have a little money. You had to have a little more money than the next guy, because you could afford glasses, and, and glasses were a status of intellect for him. And let me tell you what else. If you happen to be a person who did not farm and work with your hands, and your hands were smooth, he killed you. Because he was afraid that you would be smarter than him, and that you'd try to rule the world. This thing is crazy. Cicero wrote, Vulgar are the means of livelihood of all hired workmen whom we pay for, for mere manual labor. So your occupation was all about status. I know we don't experience that today, right? No, 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 no. We're so much more educated. We're so much more astute. We would never look at a, at a doctor or a lawyer and we put them a little higher. We would never do that. We would never look at a ditch digger or somebody that works with their hands and put them way down here. We would never do that because we are smarter than that, right? Your legal condition reflected your social status. For example, a Roman citizen would never be crucified. Now, you would be punished. You would be punished. If you broke the law, there were different ways that you would be punished, but you wouldn't be crucified. Crucifixion was reserved. Listen, watch this. This is so, you got to get this. Crucifixion was reserved for non-citizens, particularly for slaves. That's what crucifixion was reserved for. Those people that were at the bottom of the pecking order. In fact, Roman crucifixion was also associated, was so associated with slaves that it was actually even known in the day as the slave's punishment. Wow. By the way, the Apostle Paul 
A follower of Jesus writes to a little church in the city of Rome one time and he starts his letter. Go back and check it out. Romans chapter 1, read verse 1. And he starts off his letter by describing himself not as Paul, a citizen of the Roman Empire. That's not what he says, which he was. But notice what he says. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. You read that and go, dude, so what's up with that? That's no big deal. Do you understand that the people that read that went, have you lost your mind? That's identity suicide. That's crazy to say something stupid like that. Paul writes later to a church at Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, he says this. Watch this. We preach Christ crucified. We don't get that. We're just cruising through the scripture. We feel good. We read a couple of verses. Go to bed. Look at me, God. I read my, I did my daily Bible reading. We don't pursue scripture at all. We don't get into it to figure out really what it means and what these people, how they would have interpreted what was said and what was written. And then Paul says this, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. Absolutely. It was a stumbling block to the Jews. And foolishness to the Gentiles. Now let me tell you something. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, did not simply pick these words out of the air. He didn't pick these words because somehow they just sounded really spiritual. He was surgically precise when he used these words. Let me tell you why. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23, here's what it said. Cursed Cursed is the man. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a cross. You get it? So the Jews were thinking, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest thing we've ever heard in our lives. You guys are a slave to a slave for Pete's sake. A slave to a slave who died on a cross. See, to the, Roman, to the Greeks and to the Romans, it's all about honor. It's all about status. It's all about the pecking order. And a slave who is crucified is as low as you can get. To have a group of people say, we admire and we serve a crucified slave named Jesus. We consider ourselves a slave to a slave. See, you don't understand what these people, when they heard those words, when they read those words, these people were thinking to themselves, well, let me tell you what, I ain't have nothing to do with that Jesus dude. Because this is crazy. I mean, you, you want me? You want me to follow this man named Jesus who was crucified on a cross? He died as a slave and you want to use the terminology that you are a slave to Jesus. That's crazy. Doesn't make any sense. See what I'm saying? Digging sometimes will uncover truth and things that you never saw before. I know it's hard to believe, but sitting at public events also reinforced status. Yeah, it's crazy. But at theaters, when they would have these big theaters, guess who sat down front? The people with the big bucks. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like that for us today, is it? No, 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 no. Anybody can sit down front, right? As long as you got the big bucks. Those of us that don't have the money, we sit way up high in the cheap seats. We barely know that anybody's even on the stage. Do we? I mean, we're looking going, who is that? I think that's Rascal Flats, but I'm not sure. Sounds a lot like them. It could be a video for all I know. Because up this high, you can't see. Wow. You know what? At a private party, all guests would be seated in order of their status. Here's what would happen. Sometimes a host would invite a guest over of inferior rank. 
You're smart. You know what I'm talking about? You're inviting somebody to the party. I'm going to invite somebody that ain't quite as high up as I am, so it makes me feel better about myself. You know? And so that's kind of what they would do in this particular culture. And they would want to elevate themselves. And if you were a guest of inferior rank, this really ticks me off. You even got served inferior food. So the big dogs are at the big table, you know, with the host eating steak. And you eating bologna. You know, I mean, this is just ain't right. You with me? Because even at a private setting, in a party, when people walked in, they said, those, those are the really important people. Those are the people at the top of the pecking order. And it was a reminder that the people sitting over here, they're nobodies. And really, the only reason that they were invited to this party is to make the people that are sitting at the big table with the big dogs just to make them feel more important than they are. Believe it or not, even the giving of gifts reinforced status in this culture. The giving of gifts. Rich people might build uh, public baths or parks or buildings and their names would go on them and display their status. I thought that was funny. Because life in the ancient world was all about status. So there would be this building that would carry somebody's name on it. <clears throat> if you were Baptist, there would, be, there, would, there, there would be a pew with your name on it. I just made that up, but it sounds really good. Okay, anyway, let me move on. A wealthy person, a wealthy person might give away possessions as a sign. I got wealth. <clears throat> I, there was a church I pastored a few years ago, and there would always be this rich guy at the end of the year. Here's what he'd do. He would give a big sum of money. I don't know how, but everybody in the church knew it and went, oh, you don't believe me. Mr. So-and-so, he wrote a check to the church for $5,000. Whoa, this man is loaded. I mean, whoa, I mean, when he walks in the church, people look and go, whoa, man, look at this guy right here. What he didn't realize was, what the rest of the people in the church didn't realize was, that's all the money that he gave for the whole year. And see, I had senior adults that lived on a fixed income that gave more money in a year than he did. But you see, he knew how to give his gift. Now, there was always a string attached to the gift. There was this reciprocal um, dynamic that was involved. So here's what would happen. <clears throat> the receiver of the gift <clears throat> had to reciprocate. In other words, like if I gave, if I come up to you and I gave you a gift, honestly, what I'm expecting is you to give me a bigger gift back. <laughs> That's pretty sweet right there, isn't it? So like if I wanted like a new Harley, I would give you my old one. <laughs> Anybody want to make that trade? I'm willing to do that tonight. In fact, if y'all just see me after the service is over with. And that's the way they did it. And listen, here's what they would do. They would be intentional. There would be people, rich people, that would give somebody else a gift, knowing that that person literally would go bankrupt. Just trying to give back to that person. It's crazy. Now get this, because this is, this is the important part of the message. Here's what I want you to understand. There was a carpenter from a little humble country called Israel who's going to change this crazy pecking order thing among his followers. And so listen, here's what he said. He looked at his friends, he looked at his disciples, and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. And here's what those disciples would have said. They would have said, you doggone right they do. You're right. 
We, we, listen, we know all about the clothes that people wear. We know all about the rings. We know all about status. We know all about the seating in the public arenas. We know about gifts that are given. We know about this system because this is the culture that we live in. And Jesus comes along. And here's what he says. But that's not the way it's going to be with you. We're going to change this crazy pecking order way of living. We're going to change it. Now let me go back to these categories again. And I'll hurry. Remember in Jesus' culture where the clothes that you wore determined your status? Now, this Christmas, I'm just saying, when you go to Luke 2, and when you read the Christmas story, and you read these words, this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, i got to be honest, that doesn't make sense. You would think, God, come on, dude, you know what the world, you know how the world looks at things. They're never going to buy into a Savior that comes into the world. You don't get swaddling clothes at the mall. They don't sell them at the buckle. Toy, uh, babies are us. Don't carry swaddling clothes. I'm telling you, this is hand-me-down rags. Now, Jesus, really? Come on. What are you thinking, God? You would have wanted to come on the scene probably a couple thousand years later, been born in one of the finest hospitals known to man with doctors and, and, and nurses and with midwives and with the most modern technology. But that's not the way that he did it. And then, and then there's that weird passage in John 13. He comes into the, the world in swaddling clothes. And he goes out of the world with the uniform of a servant. John chapter 13, let me read you this passage. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that. He knew who he was. It was this was not a question that Jesus is going, gee, I wonder who I am. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And what he is saying is this. Don't miss it. I'm, listen, I'm not kidding you. Get this. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is this. This is what greatness looks like. In the kingdom of God. And those disciples went, oh my gosh. How did we miss it? We've been with him. We've seen him. How did we miss it? Jesus comes into the world with swaddling clothes and he goes out of the world wearing the uniform of a slave. It's crazy. I don't know how this whole thing called Christianity got, got off the ground. Do you? I mean, there was this occupation thing. Remember? Remember occupation that if you had smooth hands, that was status. That was power. If you owned vast amounts of land, and if you hired servants to work the land for you, you were considered to be important. People that did manual labor were at the bottom of the pecking order. And Jesus comes into the world, and guess what he does for a living? He's a carpenter. It's crazy. 
And go ahead, go back, check your history. No hero in Greek or Roman literature was ever a carpenter. And his last act on planet earth is to wash feet. Which if you'll go back, the last person, you, you wash feet. I mean, if you were to come to my house, I would have somebody, I would have a slave there to wash feet. Listen, certainly, certainly a, a, a prophet, certainly a rabbi would never have been one to wash feet. A Jew would have never washed feet. You would have found a slave that was a Gentile, never a Jew. And Jesus, it's crazy, this Jesus. Then there's this legal status. Judas betrayed Jesus and he was arrested, tried and found guilty, and he was executed as a criminal. And that will be his status. Seating was always the expression of status and and honor. Luke 22, verse 27, he's teaching his disciples. And here's what he says, For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? And don't you understand? We don't get it. We, we We don't get it. But as soon as they heard the words of Jesus, they went, Well, we know. We know. We know who's the greatest. See, the great ones sit, the humble ones serve. This is the way the the world works. This is the pecking order. We know how it works. And we would expect the answer to be, of course, the, 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 the greater one is the one sitting at the table. But Jesus says this. He says, it is not he who sits at the table. It's not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves. I think about this every time I go out to eat, especially on Sunday. And you know what it's like, right? Here's what I want you to do. The next time you go to a restaurant, I, want you, I just want you to say, in God's eyes, where are the great ones here? Where's Jesus? Where's the kingdom of God here? Because we know how life works, right? Um, we know who's wearing what label, and we know who can afford the really nice restaurants. I don't know. Maybe it's not that way in your part of the world. It's the way it is in our part of the world. And so sometimes you hear people kind of drop names. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I ate at the peddler last night. Oh, wow, dude. Because a peddler, I mean, that's, that's like <clears throat> 40, 50 bucks a pop. You know what I'm saying? So you're, we know you're throwing out probably 100 bucks for a meal, just you and your wife, if you're good, you know. And, but if you splurge and you get, you know, more and you, desserts, and I, I mean, listen, there's no telling what you could pay. And then there's other people, restaurants in town, in Greenville, that you could pay 150 or 200 bucks for a meal. And so here's what people do. People talk about, you know, where they go eat. And you know why they're doing it. Because they're saying, I'm in the pecking order, dude. I'm up here. And so you might say, listen, was it an anniversary? And here's what's really good. They go, nope. (laughs) No special occasion. Just wanted to go out to eat. And people go, oh, my word. You are rich. You know? And then when you go to the restaurants... I mean, don't you? It's kind of like getting on a plane and looking at the people in first class. Don't you just, those of you that float and getting, getting in the back of the plane in the little bitty seats with two big fat men right beside you. I mean, you know what? You want to go up and you want to shake them and say, what are you doing up here in first class? And what did you have to do to get that seat? And they always get the seat first. I go, why don't they get on last? Have y'all ever thought about that? Say, I think stupid things. I get on the plane going, how come you got to sit down first? 
because I've got to go to the back and I've got to crawl over your junk. You know, your little snotty-nosed youngins that I'm ready to kick. I mean, they're all over. And it's crazy. And then they're just, can I get you something, sir? I want to go, yeah, him, out of my way. And then when you go to restaurants, let's say that maybe you make it to one of those really nice restaurants and you look at the menu because that's what you do. You look at the menu and then you look around and you're going, whoa, dude. I mean, because if you go to really nice restaurants, what's scary, sometimes they don't even put the prices on there. And so like if you have to ask, you can't afford it. I remember a waitress saying that one time. I said, how much is this? She said, sir, if you have to ask how much this is on anything on our menu, you can't afford to be here. I said, I got to go. Because <laughs> I know I can't afford to be here. You know what I'm talking about? But where's the greatness in God's eyes? I really challenged this with our people I think, a few weeks ago. I said, wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be crazy? Because here's what we as Christians do. We demand to be served, don't we? And I'm telling you what, boy, if she don't bring me my tea. You know, I'm dry over here. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm out of ketchup. Can you believe that? I mean, and we get angry and we demand. I want to see the manager. I wonder what it would be like if a group of people who became followers of Jesus would take a different attitude. And what if we were to say, you know what? You're probably really busy today because the place is packed. Because if you ate up here at the, whatever the name of that place is, we eat seafood today. Uh, Daryl's not saved. He wouldn't eat anything but flounder. And so I'm just saying, because Jesus, Jesus, we know he ate you know, shrimp and, and oysters and stuff like that. But anyway, we were there. And I, you know, what would it be like if Christians stood up and said, let me help you? Because we, ah, stupid, why do I cry? We follow a servant. And this is what he would do if he was here. He wouldn't be critical. He would say, let me help. I challenged our church. I said, oh my gosh, could you imagine what it would be like? And both of my children serve. And they'll tell you, oh, we hate the Sunday crowd. Because you know what? They gripe, they complain, and they don't tip. And I think we as Christians ought to display the heart of God. And I think that we should, that we should make their day. And every time we walk through the door, they go, oh man, I hope, I hope they said at my table. Because I know he's going to tip me at least 20%. Because these, these Christians are, they're crazy. They're givers. I never seen anything like it. I know, I know. I gotta move. Okay. There's the title thing. And Jesus goes after that one too. John 13, verses 13 and 14. Here's what he said. He said, you call me teacher and Lord. And those were titles in that day. And he said, rightly so, for that's exactly what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should wash one another's feet. Here's what I've learned in my life. I've learned that titles, you know what they are? They're opportunities for you to serve. That's what they are. You don't see. Now, in church, the higher you climb up the pecking order, you don't have to work with children anymore. <laughs> you know, you don't have to work with the seventh graders. No, no, no. I've, I've done my time. See, I started at the bottom of the pecking order. I've, wor- I've worked my, I'm a leader now. So what that means is I don't really have to do anything. I just meet in some meetings, make a few decisions. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I've shown us the direction of the church, but you don't expect me to serve, do you? Actually, yes. Because the truth of it is, is you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. Paul would write to a group of Christ followers 
in another church in Philippi, and here's what he would say. You know this passage. He said, uh, let this same attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, now you know the attitude. That Jesus, the King of Kings, came into the world in a world where the pecking order ruled and reigned. And he came in swaddling clothes in a feed bin. And he was the King of Kings. And he changed the way that the world saw status and power. Precisely because he was, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God to be the grounds for grasping or holding on to, is what that Greek word means, but poured himself out, taking on the very nature of a slave, and being found in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he nails that thing again. He said, don't you, Jesus, the king of kings, came into this world and went and died a slave's death. And he was Jesus. And he didn't hold on to his title. He let it go. The giving of a gift in Jesus' day was all about the status of the giver. But as Paul just said in Philippians 2, Jesus gave up his status and he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Why would he do such a thing? It's crazy. He did it because we have a sin problem. We need the gift that Jesus gave in his ultimate humiliation. So here's the thing. I'm I'm pretty hard on our folks with this stuff. Jesus gives the gifts and what he asks for in return, and he does, make no mistake, he does ask for something in return. He asks that we give him our lives. What he's asking for is complete surrender. No, no easy beliefism. I'm, listen, I'm all about believing the right stuff. I am. But do you know what he's asking you to do? He's asking you to be a slave of a slave. He said, listen, there is no more pecking order for those of us that follow Jesus. If you're going to follow me, you've got to die to all that junk. And you've got to forget the clothes that you wear. And you've got to forget the giving of gifts. And you've got to forget this occupation thing. You've got to die to a world that sees the pecking order as the normal way to live. And you've got to say no to that. And you've got to be willing to follow me. Because in that day, when Paul said, we are a slave to a crucified slave, I don't know how this thing called Christianity ever made it off the ground. And let me tell you where it starts. It starts with humility. Are you humble enough to admit that you're a sinner? That's why I wanted you to invite your unchurched friends tonight. I wanted them to hear the truth about Jesus. That's what I wanted them to hear. And you know what? Here's what I believe. I believe that if we as preachers do the best we can to really unpack and understand who, he, who Jesus really is, and if we can share him with the world, the world will go, you know what? That's the way it is in our world. It is. And you know what? It stinks. 
And we all know it. And we know where status comes from. And we've been crushed by status. And our feelings have been hurt. And we haven't been able to participate in the games. And, and we're, not, we're not one of the pretty people. Or we're pretty, but they're pretty. To you. That's a big prayer. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus. But if you're really, really honest, you would just have to admit that humility is just not a word that would probably describe you. Maybe you've got caught up in social status. And wouldn't it just be cool if an epidemic of humility would just break out at Day 3 Church? And what if it spread to the community around you? What if there was this outbreak of, of humbleness and servanthood and rank and title and honor and recognition and clothes? What if it, what if it were so where that didn't matter anymore? And what if you opened up the doors of your church and you said, I, listen, I am so glad you're here. And what if you embraced people that you know they're at the bottom of the pecking order? And what if you embraced them and what if you saw in them the very image of God that we talked about this morning? You don't think that we could change the world? I just believe that we could. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, as a follower of Jesus, man, I'm telling you, ugh, I didn't know, I didn't understand. I probably, humility probably wouldn't be that word that would describe me, but I want it to be. Would you just slip up your hand? I don't know that it is, but I want it to. Come on, man, get them up high. Either do it or don't. This little half mass thing. Get it. There you go. Then I just want to, Pray for us if I could. Lord, Jesus, you stepped into a world where status and honor and power and the pecking order ruled. I I mean, I don't know how you got that thing off the ground, Lord. You came in swaddling clothes in a manger and and, and you left the world as a criminal, dying like a slave on a on a cross. But Lord, You've changed the world. And my prayer, Lord, is that those of us that follow You could just get it. I mean, really get it, Lord. And that You could use us as frail and as fragile as we are to bring change to a world. To love the unlovely, to love and embrace the unlovable, and to show the world who Jesus really is. I'm going to ask if you'll just stand your feet and uh, I'm going to ask this band if they'll just lead us and uh, you can just respond in any way that God might lead you to. And maybe that is just to close with just some praise as God would lead. 
Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.